What is up, Steelers Nation? Thank you so much for jumping on to another episode of All Steelers Talk. I'm Noah Strackbine, joined always by my main man, Stephen Thompson. Find us on YouTube.com slash All Steelers Talk and subscribe anywhere you get your podcast today. Well, plenty of news coming from the Pittsburgh Steelers as they enter the bye week, but host one last locker room event. Talk to some position coaches. First time this season that we got to do that. Plenty of news coming from there, and then a massive return that the Steelers expect post bye week plus a uh, a new coach that uh, they could consider joining the offense. We'll dive into that plus more. It is a beautiful day in the Berg. As you uh, you got your walk in this morning. We all saw it on Twitter. It was it looked like a good one. How you feel, my friend? It was great. I feel good. That was. You know, these little morning walks or something I was able to do during the summer more. I don't know. For whatever reason, they were easier. You know, sun's out earlier. It's a little warmer. I enjoyed doing them. Haven't done them as much during the season, but today was a really nice time to get one in. Um, It's just, I I, so I wake up around, you know, 630 or whatever, and I'm like, okay, time to go for my walk. And no, it's pitch black outside. (laughs) And it's like, "Hmm, maybe I'll, I'll wait a few minutes. I'll try to do some stuff around here. I'll drink my coffee first, and then then we'll get moving. Yeah, a hundred percent. I was saying, I tell you guys, I, I uh, I'm real into like the morning and night routine guys on YouTube and everything. And everybody's like, first thing you got to do when you open your eyes is you got to go outside. You got to get ten minutes of sunlight. And I'm like, all right, well, I wake up about an hour and a half before the sun <laughs> comes out. So I don't know, uh, I don't know where you guys are getting at or what time you guys are waking up at. But you don't live in Pennsylvania. Either way, it was beautiful this morning. Today was, I don't know if it's our bodies that are like slowly adjusting or if. It's just, you know, a beautiful day. But I walked outside in shorts and I was like, ah, not freezing. This is uh this is very nice. So, you know, fall's here. We're kicking in. It's uh it's as good as it gets. For the Pittsburgh Steelers, they uh they're ready for football season, but they're they're ready for hockey season as well. They uh they took over Pittsburgh Penguins uh home opener last night, season opener, I believe, against the Chicago Blackhawks. Unfortunately, the Penguins did not walk away with the win, but they were winning when this broke out over uh, the crowd. A little, uh, a little fire Canada chance makes their way to PPG Paints Arena. I, uh, I don't know if you guys were able to hear that, but hopefully you could. Makes their way to PPG Arena. This comes after, was it last week? We were talking about the Fire Canada sign that popped up at the AEW event over in Stockton, California. This one's a little closer to home, but nevertheless, I mean, they've taken it way past Heinz Field or Acrisure Stadium or whatever, and they have now made it known. No matter where Pittsburgh fans are, they will make sure that the Pittsburgh Steelers know they want to fire Canada. What uh, what were your thoughts when you uh when you saw that on social media last night? It's this is just such a a rare feat of like collective consciousness from a fan base that like to know to know your offensive coordinator is one thing. Like I don't I don't think many fan bases think too much about their offensive coordinator. Like uh, universally, it's like almost the most like hated position in football. Like no matter the oh, team, yeah. but like still like. Even the most casual fans, like like the very baseline of casual fans, really don't know who their position coaches or or coordinators are. They know the head man, and that's it. 
Pittsburgh Steelers fans not only know who Matt Canada is, but know what he looks like, know what he says, and they universally pretty much agree that he is the biggest problem with this team right now, which I think is pretty unbelievable. Um, it's, it is not common at all. Um, and I think it just speaks to like how much this guy has, you know, saturated like our conversations about the Steelers and just about the direction of this team and its development and just like, I don't know. It's it's just it, it is uh, so impressive to me that like you you rarely see like these cross sport like types of chants or things and like you you don't see people at hockey games or basketball games or anything like that or baseball games address a completely different sport. Um yeah. and this is Canada fever if you want to call it that. Like th- this this hatred of him has like it expanded and gone across the entire city in a way that I don't think I really expected at all. No, I, uh, I know Pittsburgh fans are different. You know what I mean? I've always known Pittsburgh fans are, are different than most, but you're spot on. Like if you asked me growing up, yo, know, what did, uh, what did Todd Haley look like? Or what did Bruce Arians look like? I mean, I have no, I don't even know who that is. Who are you talking about? And even if I did, like, even if I was like, oh yeah, I'd have no idea what the head or what the offensive coordinator of the Pittsburgh Steelers look like Dick LeBeau is a hall of famer. And it took me like 10 years watching that guy to be like, Oh, I know what Dick LeBeau looks like. You're spot on. Like, I don't think at this point I'd be surprised if Matt Canada is like able to leave his house here in Pittsburgh and like go to the grocery store without being harassed or anywhere. It is just, it's so universal. It is so just uh, universal is the only word I come up with. Like every single person in the city who roots for pittsburgh sports at all i mean we talked about the three-year-old the other day and which jillian did not appreciate by the way as soon as she heard that one she was like you can't tell the stories of three-year-old kids on the podcast i was like when they involve mac canada i can as all times but we talked about him year old would appreciate us getting his message out that's what i'm saying i bet you that kid's dad watched the show and went yeah that's my son right there. Called him over. He's like, hey, Toby or Kyle, whatever your name is. Come here, bud. Give me a hug. We're going to the toy. We're going to Toys R Us. Um, that's what I'm saying. Like at this point, it is every single person in the city who knows, understands, and dislikes this guy. And I just don't know how much worse it could get. And, and like he's not gonna he's not gonna get fired during the season. I think we've ex- accepted that. If it was gonna happen, it was gonna happen now. It's not gonna happen. Which are uh, and then there's you know another coach who's shooting a shot with the Steelers that we'll get to in a couple of minutes. But the bigger thing is at the end of the season, I I believe his contracts up after this year, but the reports are so conflicting every year about, Oh, is it this year? Is it next year? Is when is it going to happen? I just don't think that you could, I don't think that you could tell the city, Hey, he's coming back for another season after this one and just say like, yeah, we'll just accept it. You know what I mean? Like it's every time the Steelers offense, takes the field it is now every time the pittsburgh penguins take the ice it is every time another sporting event features a camera and a pittsburgh steelers fan has the ability to showcase themselves on that camera and it's not going to stop it's just going to keep getting worse i just you know i think win or lose no matter how the season goes like at this point you just can't you can't tell the city of pittsburgh hey man this guy's coming back and uh, you guys should be excited for it because they'll they're going to lose their minds. Yeah, and you just you know the the mood of the fan base doesn't really have a tangible effect on on what the team does or how they play. But no, it just seems like it's 
in like everyone's best interest to kind of move on and like start fresh and do something different because this is just this just seems like a like you said about Matt not like probably not being able to like leave his home or do anything normal without someone you know harassing him or anything like that just seems like it negatively affects his own mood it like makes it I don't know I would argue even more difficult to do his job like it's I don't know it just seems like a miserable existence for everyone involved to have to you know deal with this and everything so I think even independent of like if you think this offense has potential with him leading it or not like it it might just be healthier for everyone to move on at some point that's what I'm saying like at some point you just like I would not be able to live that life shout out to him you know because it's you got to be real mentally strong and real in a vacuum as Mike Tomlin says to be able to deal with stuff like that but yeah I agree like I just don't think I just don't think it's for anybody's best interest to to let this continue to boil over the way that it has and say, yeah, we'll just deal with it because, you know, I'm sure Art Rooney and everybody, they're not listening to the fans, but at the same t- time, excuse me, they don't want all the headlines when you Google Pittsburgh Steelers to say fire Canada chance break out at Penguins games, you know what I mean? Or fire Ch- Canada chance break out at Steelers games every single weekend. Like they just don't want that. They want normal headlines about their football team, win or lose. And that's, uh, that's what they're looking for. Outside of Matt Canada, the Pittsburgh Steelers offense will get a significant boost after the bye week as Deontay Johnson says, hell yeah, I'm coming back after after the bye this week, return for Los Angeles next week. Says he he's 100%. He told me he's 100%. He gave a shout out to the trainer, says he feels fine. Every day he came in, busted his butt to make sure that he's ready for this week. I mean, the expectation as of right now is Deontay Johnson will be a starter and in the game when they head to Los Angeles following the bye, how huge is that for the Pittsburgh Steelers offense, especially a team that right now sits atop the AFC North and is three and two heading into the bye, who on the other side of it will get their top receiving weapon back and possibly Pat Fryermuth on top of that. Yeah, I think it's huge. Um, you know, I, I, I love Calvin Austin, but yeah. you know, outside of that deep ball against the Raiders, he hasn't really done much. He's been a little quiet. Um, so you know, Deontay's a much more complete player. He's a really good receiver um, and had been, I think, on a really good track before uh, before going down with that injury. I think this also gets people into better roles, you know, roles that fit yes. a little bit better. I think especially Calvin Austin, like, he gets to not be a gadget player necessarily, but, you know, play a role that I think fits his need more. He doesn't need to be, you know, the Deontay Johnson replacement. Deontay Johnson can just be him, do his thing, and then you can use Calvin Austin spots that that are more suited to a guy who is in a de facto rookie season. So, yeah, this is a huge lift, not just because Deontay's a, a great offensive player, but I think it allows you to be a little bit more diverse, get more guys involved in different ways, and then, you know, everyone just gets a little bit more comfortable because you have your full, you know, actual starting complement of receivers in. Yeah, I agree. I, I think this is, for Calvin Austin, huge. For Allen Robinson, huge. Yeah. I'm looking at it, George Pickens and Deontay Johnson alone. Like, yeah. now all attention is on George Pickens, but it can't leave George Pickens. Like, teams are not going to game plan against the Pittsburgh Steelers and say, oh, well, Deontay Johnson's back. Well, that means we don't have to worry about JP. No, you got to worry about George Pickens. And chances are you're still going to double him. And when you're not doubling him, or when you are doubling him, Deontay Johnson's going to be wide open. And that is huge because right now there is no like other guy for Kenny to look to when he realizes that JP is double covered. And then once that happens, it's not like Deontay Johnson is an Allen Robinson or Calvin Austin or 
or any of these, you know, second tier wide receivers. He he's a tier one wide receiver. You got to pay attention to Deontay Johnson. So once he starts catching balls, now you're trying to decide, okay, well, let's go double team him. Well, now George Pickens is breaking 70 yard receptions. Like it is huge. It is huge to have a wide receiver one and a wide receiver two. I think I think the absence of Deontay Johnson was significant for George Pickens. I think it helped a ton. I think it allowed him to break onto the scene more than what he was and and really like develop a, a just a repertoire with Kenny Pickett. Like they always talked about, oh, we have a connection, it's strong. But when Deontay Johnson was there, like he was your guy. He was your, you know, you gotta feed him because he's always open. Having those four weeks where you could look at George Pickens and say, look, you got to make a play here. You got to get open. You got to be able to do this. You got to add this to your route tree. And he was able to do all of it. I think that's huge for the growth of him. Now that you have both of those guys back, do I expect both of them to be like 100 yard receivers week after week? No, but I could see a week where Deontay Johnson's a 100 yard wide receiver. And then the next week where George Pickens is a 100 yard wide receiver. And that's exactly what you're looking for. Like, that's a scary offense for a lot of people. And it's going to help so many people, Kenny Pickett included, moving forward, especially because Deontay Johnson at the end of the day is such a safety blanket that if if everything's not working and the game is moving too fast for Kenny still, DJ is going to be open. Deontay is going to be open. You could just look his way, throw him the football. Things will be fine. It's a slowdown option. And, you know, just overall, that's huge. Yeah, and I think it'll help him stay on schedule a little bit better. Um, you know, like George as a number one, even as a number one, is a big play threat. You know, you're looking yeah. way downfield, but I think Deontay can help them, you know, run slants, outs, you know, not necessarily those deep balls that you that are a little bit more low percentage, uh, but can result in bigger plays. Yep. He can create some higher percentage throws for Kenny that help them set up bigger plays or help them stay on schedule and help them keep drives alive for a little bit longer. So I think that's going to be a huge thing too. It'll help out the running game as well. Like there are trickle down effects from Deontay coming back and being who he is that are going to have a huge impact on the entire offense. Yeah, I agree. How, uh, I mean, like what are your expectations after the bye week you get Deontay back chances are you get Pat Fryermuth back as well Presley Harvin's coming back Anthony McFarland says he's coming back as well so you get a returner finally I mean just you 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 return from the bye week you have all these weapons even if they were all there in week one and week two and things weren't going well you know this team's definitely grown since then what are your what, what's your outlook is it like oh, okay things will stay the same or is it like oh this is an opportunity for this to to start rolling well, it's certainly an opportunity for things to start getting a lot better. I mean, there aren't really going to be the same kind of opportunities for excuses. Um, yeah. You know, they had been kind of running out of those before, but now they're even less. And it's really time to, I think you you come out of the bye week, you get a little rest, you get to kind of clear your head. This was an up and down start to the season, but you emerge from it in first place uh, and, and, and in a really good spot. So at least in my opinion. So I, I don't know. I think, I'm inclined to say things will get better. You know, I'm yeah. inclined to say that just naturally by getting everyone back, I mean, you still got to execute and everything, but that, you know, there will kind of be a rising tide that will, that will lift them all up, make things a little bit better, make things easier on everyone. Like that's, yeah. that's, I think the biggest thing too, is that a lot of times, even when the Steelers score, it is like pulling teeth, you yes. know, when they put together these long drives, like I think it'll just be a little smoother, a little easier. Everyone will look more comfortable coming out of the bye week. Yeah, I agree. I think at bare minimum, it's just like a launching pad. Like it's like, okay, look at right now. You're first place in the AFC North. You're three and two. You're in a good spot. You know, as bad as things have been, you're in a good spot right now. And 
you come back from the bye week rested and way more healthy than you were heading into it. That's, you know, you control your fate at that point. You know, you're either going to go up or you're going to go down or you're going to stay the same and staying the same is not going to work. So I think you have all the building blocks there to return from this and to kind of, you know, make a little bit of a run and, and spark some things. And again, it's all on the Pittsburgh Steelers and we got to see that execution, but the the pieces are there. The launching pad is there. I think it's significant. I could think, I, I think we could use, we could see a lot of growth from different players like Calvin Austin, like, George Pickens, like Kenny Pickett, like the run game. You know, I just think that it could it could be so big for everybody included as long as they execute. But, you know, that's been a huge question all season long. But again, the groundwork's there. You just got to build off of that one. Continuing from yesterday's locker room, Joey Porter Jr. was the topic of conversation as we talked to defensive backs coach Grady Brown, along with Terrell Austin and all the other defensive assistant coaches. Uh, Grady had something very interesting to say about Joey Porter when asked if he's going to have the, uh, the opportunity to start. This is what he had to say. Any chance Joey starts coming out of the bye? I think it's a chance that whoever is playing well will start. Is he that, playing well enough to that's, start? That's the, that's the goal at the end of the day. He finished the game definitely in a, in a good spot. Um, we'll see if he starts. I think at the end of the day, it's about are you making the plays that need to be made? Mm-hmm. I'm not sure that it really matters who starts. It's about when they're throwing the ball out there, who's out there, and how's that guy's playing? Terrell Austin said he kind of hesitated and went, no, you know, I don't think it's that time yet. Do you think the door is open for Joey Porter to come back as the starter? And if so, why? If not, what are your expectations? I think there's a difference between starting and playing starters reps. Um, And I think I expect more of the latter for Joey. Like, I think if it's truly what, uh, what Grady Brown says, and it's about performance and about, it's about guys who are making plays on the field. It's hard to argue that Joey hasn't been the guy making plays on the field and hasn't earned some more playing time out there when the, when the live bullets are flying. Um, So yeah, maybe he's not the first corner out there. Maybe it's still Pat Pete and Levi Wallace, but I think, you know, as soon as Joey gets in that game and he starts making plays, it's going to be hard to ignore the hot hand right there um, that's right in front of you. So I do actually expect him to do more of that, like kind of playing starters reps while maybe not starting type of deal. Because, um, I mean, I-, I think you also think about who's closing games. Like Joey was Joey was in the – I mean, that's a, a basketball term, I think, more. But like the closing lineup matters a lot more these days than the starting lineup. Um, the guys who are in there when the game is tight, when the pressure is the highest, when you really need big yep. plays, who are those guys? And against the Ravens, Joey was one of those guys. Like that, that interception was a perfect example. Like he, in, in the biggest play of the game, when the Steelers needed a stop, when things looked pretty desperate, Joey was the one lining up against Odell Beckham on the goal line. Um, and I think that is a pretty big, good indicator that they trust Joey with a lot. And they're going to continue to trust Joey with even more and more as he gets more action on the fields and proves that he can handle it. And that's that's I, I think what it boils down to is I think he's going to get those opportunities and he is going to prove that he's capable of handling those opportunities, which is something that they won't be able to ignore. Yeah, I agree. I, I just don't think I think for one, like who are you going to pull? That's my biggest that's my biggest takeaway here is, you know, you're not going to bench Patrick Peterson. You just don't do that. There's a thing in the NFL. It's called respect. The Pittsburgh Steelers do it more than anybody else. And it comes back to bite them in the butt a lot of times. But 
they're not going to change their way for Patrick Peterson. It's just not going to, it's not going to happen. And Levi Wallace is like, technically their cornerback one. Like he's their, he's their starter. He's their guy. Again, he hasn't been playing the greatest all the time, but they're not going to turn their back on him. They're not going to bench any of these guys and ruin the mojo. It is much easier to say Joey Porter Jr. is going to play more significant snaps moving forward without making him a starter and risking, you know, kind of like upsetting one of the other two. There's just no need to do that. Like you could you could line Patrick Peterson up there and Levi Wallace up there snap one who cares you know like who that doesn't bother anybody like what are the game doesn't end in the first snap it ends in the last and just like you said if joey porter jr is the guy that's out there in crucial moments that's huge but it also allows you to just play the hot hand like i don't expect patrick peterson to struggle every single game all day long i don't expect levi wallace to struggle every single game all game long do i expect them to struggle at times yeah have they struggled at times yes but levi wallace has also come up huge this season at times I expect that to continue. Patrick Peterson has had his moments, but he could also bounce inside. He could play back at safety. Like you could utilize him in a number of ways to get him rolling. Joey's a guy that he's already proven. Like, yeah, just take me off the bench, man. And I'll I'll go in there, I'll make a play. And that's all if that's all you need to do, if that's all you need him to do, cool. He could go, he could go do it. Just like you said, like if you're playing those critical moments, if you're playing those crucial downs and you're coming up with plays and you don't need a whole game to ramp up or to get your to to get your footing down or whatever then that's okay then you have a good system going on it's it, as long as they don't keep it to where it was before the Ravens game they're okay like i don't think there's any issues there with Joey Porter Jr not starting yet as long as he's playing 50% of the snaps minimum and sometimes more and, and you know kind of taking on a starter role or a significant role without actually doing so i mean Mike Tomlin said it last season. He said, you know, that that CB3 role is just as big as one and two. Cool. It's time to start utilizing it as as such. And if you do, I expect big things to happen. But yeah, I, I think it's I I don't think you risk upsetting one of the other two for benching them. I think you just roll as it is. And I think Joey's totally fine and totally comfortable in the role that he has. Yeah, absolutely. And I think and I think uh, it, it, you just don't have any more. Re- you, you are running out of reasons not to put Joey on the field. Like we can yeah. talk all we want about, you know, it, it, it's kind of Levi and Pat Pete's jobs to lose, but you know, there's only so long that you can go throughout the season and leave Joey on the bench if he is, if he's one of your better corners. You know, if he's one of your top two guys, like you can't. You can only ignore that for so long and only hide behind, you know, the idea that he's young and has some growing to do for so long. Like he, because like you said, like they have respect for Pat Pete, but that only goes a certain distance, you know, yeah. like that can only go a, cer- a certain distance. And if he struggles, you know, you got to make a move. But like, I think you also make a good point about being able to move Patrick Peterson around. Like just because you have to put Joey in the lineup and have to put him on the field doesn't mean that you have to do that. Uh, while sacrificing playing time for someone else who could be valuable in another place. Yeah, 100%. I look at it kind of like this. Like, my dad was a huge Denver Broncos fan or is a huge Denver Broncos fan. And growing up, Champ Bailey was, like, when I was growing up, Champ Bailey was nearing the end of his career. So I saw I saw the end of Champ Bailey. But you don't take Champ Bailey off the field because Champ Bailey is Champ Bailey. Like, he's one of the greatest of all time. 
Patrick Peterson, one of the greatest of all time. You do not take him off the field because it's at, at, to a degree, it's just a respect thing. Like, it's like, look, at teams are going to fear Patrick Peterson just like they're going to fear Champ Bailey just because they know that it's always a possibility that he comes up with something big. It doesn't mean that Champ Bailey was playing all the time. He wasn't. He was he was on the he was off the field more than he was on it. He was inside more than he was outside, but he started every game. That's how I view Patrick Peterson as just a guy that, you know, you move around as you need him, you take him off as you need him, you put him on as you need him, but you still you you leave him, you let him be Patrick Peterson and you let other teams know that Patrick Peterson is on the field. And I think I think that's a good uh that's a good place to be for a guy who who is nearing the end of his career, who still very much so is capable of doing some big things. All right. Next thing I want to talk about here over the uh, I guess it's still the week. It's only Wednesday. So earlier in the week, Mark Caboli of The Athletic reported that Byron Lefwich, former offensive coordinator of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Super Bowl winner with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers is interested in joining the Pittsburgh Steelers as an offensive consultant, has reached out, according to Caboli, and uh, they are, quote-unquote, kind of ignoring him. Maybe uh, not the reaction many Pittsburgh Steelers fans want to hear. Do you think that they should be ignoring him? Do you think that they should hire him? What are your thoughts when you saw Caboli come out here and say, yeah, man, Byron's uh, making some phone calls and Art Rooney's saying, nah, champ, not uh, not right now. Sorry. Well, I want to know what he expected. You know, like, this is not a serious way to go about applying for a job. Like, this yeah. is just reaching out to your buddies and saying, like, oh, hey, do you, do you have an opening? Like, <laughs> I don't know. They w- He would know if they had an opening. Like, this yeah. is not, I don't know. Like, like you said at the top of the show, like, Matt Canada was going to get fired if they needed help at an offensive position. They would have added it. Um, I don't think this has anything to do with Byron Leftwich being a bad coach, but I think it has everything to do with not wanting to undermine your offensive coordinator in the middle of the season when you are on, however slight it may be, an upward trajectory. So yeah, yeah, I, I don't, I don't really know what Byron was expecting out of those conversations. Um, this is like that's not a serious way to go about applying for a job in the NFL. Like that's, I don't know. It's Colin Kaepernick itch, right? Right. Oh yeah. That's yeah. It's like, Oh, I wrote a letter to the jets asking if they need a quarterback. Like they know you exist, man. And then I gave it to Jay Cole so that he could give it to them because yeah, I didn't, I didn't want to give it to himself. Not that Byron, I'm not trying to back on Byron. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a good comparison, but that's the thing. Like Byron isn't even, you know, like Colin Kaepernick's been out of the league for what? Seven years now. Long time. Yeah, like, sorry, man, like, at this point, if it wasn't happening before, it's not going to happen now after you've yeah, been yeah, out for yeah. seven leagues. But, like, you know, Byron has a has a good resume. He was a, a he was an offensive coordinator last year, like, yep. for a de- decent offense, I would say. Um, a playoff team, you know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it wasn't wasn't his fault Tom Brady is a noodle arm. Um, but, uh, <laughs> anyway, like, it's, it, it, it doesn't have anything to do with, I think, Byron like the quality of him as a coach, but it has everything to do, I think with the situation that they're in right now. And yeah. call, call us in June, in May, April, whenever, after the Super Bowl, February, February. March. So like, yeah, call us in March and we'll see what we have open. Like, but this is just like, we have an offensive coordinator right now. We have an offensive staff. We aren't like, I'm sure they weren't like, I, I if they weren't hiring him in over the off season last year, like why, why would they think they need to add him now? Yeah, I agree. I looked at it and just said immediately, like, 
it's a bad look for the Steelers when it comes to all their support of Matt Canada. It's not going to ride well. You want to hear even even louder fire Canada chants. Give them an option for when they do fire him, who's going to replace him. That's the last thing that you want. And I think the bigger thing here for the Pittsburgh Steelers and why I kind of agree with them ignoring him is, look, Byron Leftwich was a Super Bowl winning offensive coordinator, and you got to give him praise for that. And at the time, the, his offense, I believe, was like the third best offense in the league in terms of yards per game. By the time he left, his team averaged 18.4 points per game. 18.4. That's Pittsburgh Steelers if they if there ever was one. That is as close of a comparison as you can get. You don't want to take the chance of being the Pittsburgh Steelers. And if I'm a Pittsburgh Steelers fan, I'm thinking the same way here. I do not want the option to go from Matt Canada to another same level as Matt Canada. It has to go up and it has to be a significant up. Like the next offensive coordinator of the Pittsburgh Steelers, if it is not Matt Canada after the season, then it's got to be, I'm calling San Francisco. Hey, who's left on your staff, man? Who who needs a job? Because I'm going to give him an offensive coordinator job. I'm going to call whoever, whoever's the big, you know, if there's a run game coordinator in Philly, I'm calling him. Hey, does he need a job? I got an offensive coordinator job. I'm shooting for the stars. You know, these are, I'm going big. I'm going the brightest names, the, the most undervalued talent on all of these magnificent offenses. I am not going with Byron Leftwich. Like it's just not happening. Why would you want to risk that? Why would you want to put yourself if you're a Pittsburgh, if you're the Pittsburgh Steelers or a Pittsburgh Steelers fan, in a situation where if Byron Leftwich is here as an offensive consultant, that means if Canada's gone after the season, you want to know who the offensive coordinator of the Pittsburgh Steelers is next season? Byron Leftwich. And if he is just as bad as his last season in Tampa Bay indicates, and I'm not saying he is because he's had good years. But you got to go off of his last performance. And if his last performance isn't bad, and that's what you get in Pittsburgh after Matt Canada's gone, you're stuck with that for another three seasons. And you don't want to deal with well, You just did that. You don't want to do it again. You don't want to put yourself in that situation. I just say, hey, look, work with what you got, even if you don't like what you got, even if what you got isn't good. And, and just it, play the waiting game for a bigger reward because you do not want to settle in this situation. And that's what you're going to do if you bring Leftwich on in the middle of the year. Yeah, abs- yeah, absolutely. It's predetermining who your next offensive coordinator is going to yeah. be, and that's, I don't think, a spot you want to be in at all because, like you said, there is going to be there are going to be a million qualified candidates that you could look at and, and vet and find the best fit for you because I also think um, they will try to go for someone younger too. Like They will yes. try to kind of look look for a future, you know, like look for someone – you know, like really exciting who can like work with a young quarterback and and can kind of be forward thinking in the way that the NFL is moving. So and and I just don't think Byron Leftwich kind of falls under under that category. No, I agree. And I think that Omar Khan, I think that Art Rooney to a degree, I don't think of this about Mike Tomlin, but I think about the other two. I think their headset or their headspace right now is definitely more progressive than it is this is our way. It's worked six times. It's probably going to work a seventh at some point. We'll we'll stick with our way. I think they're thinking, how do we get to seven? This is how this is how we get to seven. And I think that they would they would look at a, like I said, a more like like you said, a younger option, a just somebody who you're just like this guy. This guy in two years could leave us for a head coaching job, which is fine. Like you know yeah. what I mean? Because in that time, if if that's what you're going to do, you. 
you know, you've developed other pieces of your offense. You know what I mean? Already you've developed other coaches in your offense already. You, these guys that are already here have grown and then you just replace them with another offensive coordinator. Hopefully that's doing the same thing. And then boom, like you get the, the flow. You, you, it's all about, it's all about a rolling ball. You know what I mean? Get the, get the, get the snowball rolling. And as it goes, it's just going to keep picking up speed and keep gaining traction and keep getting bigger. Right now, it is sitting at the top of a mountain and it is not moving. You get somebody young in there, it pushes it off and things can move. I agree. I just don't think Leftwich is the move. I don't think the Steelers think Leftwich is the move. Sorry for everybody who, uh, who wanted him to be the move, but I think this is as crazy as this sounds, especially for how we started off the show. This is uh, This is the right move by the Pittsburgh Steelers to just say, sorry, pal. Not this year. We'll call you next year. Probably not, but maybe. And that's the thing. If you want to hire him as an offensive consultant next offseason and still hire a different offensive coordinator, all about it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Dude, that's fine. You know, if you want to, if, if that's what you want and you want him to learn from that offensive coordinator, like that's cool with me. Like that's, that's totally fine. And if he leaves in a year, cool, but chances are he's not gonna. Like now you got two options. I think that's, that's the way to go, but right now, do not give yourself a fallback plan. That is the worst idea if you're the Pittsburgh Steelers. Mike Sullivan is not a fallback plan, by the way. A lot of people will toss that out there. Well, what about Sully? He'll be the play caller. Yeah, that's cool. He could be the play caller, and that's fine. He would not. I do not think there's any part of Mike Sullivan or the Pittsburgh Steelers that would look at that situation and go, well, he's our offensive coordinator next year because he took off. No, he'd just go right back to being a quarterback's coach, and everything would be fine, and They'd go from there, but no, yeah, bad, uh, bad move for uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers if they make it happen. Luckily, chances are they are not going to. With that said, we're heading out of here. Thank you guys so much for jumping on to another episode of All Steelers Talk. Make sure to subscribe to us on YouTube, youtube.com slash All Steelers Talk. Find us anywhere you get your podcasts and check all of our work out at allsteelers.com and all of our pick coverage out at insidethepanthers.com. We will be back on Friday as the bye week ramps up. Enjoy another beautiful day in the Berg. Peace.